The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Back to the short game, the show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by my one and only bro host, Shane Kelly. And this week we are talking about uh, Annapurna's new hit game, 12 Minutes. You know, I just want to take a second and acknowledge the fact that it's just you and me, just two bros. Yep. Um, me and my twin brother, and I always enjoy these kinds of episodes because we, you and me, when it's just us. Welcome back to the short game. This is the show about short video games, the games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and uh, uh, this week we're talking about Annapurna's new hit game, 12 Minutes. Wait, what just happened? Welcome back to the short game. This is the show about short video games, games that respect oh, no. your time. Oh no, the show is restarting every time I leave 10 seconds of dead air. <laughs> uh this is okay uh, you know you know what's really funny is uh i had a conversation with my friend phil uh talking about getting into this episode and like what, what we we're gonna talk about um because i kind of recommended the game to him and here's the thing like he he told me i should make that exact same joke so maybe i told you about it in a previous loop i don't know <laughs> it's honestly the most obvious lazy joke ever but hey i, I did it <laughs> <laughs> i'm not editing it out listeners you're you're welcome we're talking about 12 minutes which is a game from developer luis antonio and uh produced or uh published by annapurna interactive and uh this is a uh, game that's had a lot of mixed reception, and I think we're probably a bit mixed on it here on the show. Uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to chatting about it because I liked some things about it, but I think it's actually... I, we've, we've had a couple of these lately. I think this is a bad game. I think this is a really bad game. Like a really, really bad one. Uh, but there's some yeah, still redeeming I, qualities here too, I, so... I am... I am uh, I mean, maybe this isn't my favorite game of all time, but I think I am going to have to be in the position of defending this game because not only are you saying you think it's just genuinely a bad game, several reviewers that I respect have basically said, don't play this. I think it's bad art. I I think it's bad art. (laughs) This is bad art. (laughs) But yes. uh, Yeah, for me, I personally did did enjoy it. I, I, I I, I like this game. Maybe it's not my favorite. Uh, so I'm going to be in the position, I guess, of defending it. Shane, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, me too. I mean, otherwise it would just be you on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> am I really here? As am I? All right. So uh, you know. Ooh. Um, but one thing I'll say, first thing right off the bat, I love it when developers put their name on their game. You know, I when I look up a game and I'm like, okay, this is a game by, uh, you know, the. Uh, disappearing bear or you know whatever cutesy name you've come up with for your development studio um that's cool and all but when the game just says this is by Luis Antonio and like that this is someone who has a real perspective and and has a has a you know this is someone who has made a game and stamped their name on it and said mm-hmm. this is what I wanted to make I respect that a lot 
Yeah, and that's also not to say that this is a game by a totally solo developer. This has been in development a really, really long time. Um, so this one of the interesting things about this is that this game right. has been being shown to press in various forms since something like 2015, like a really long time. I've seen previews of this game that were like, Partial playthroughs with press, you know, playing demos of this game in forms that looked entirely different, entirely different art, and yet basically the same story and structure um, as far back as like 2015 and um, is not a solo development effort. It seemingly started as this sort of small solo project that gained a lot of hype on that sort of initial uh, sort of press interaction you know this showed well at i think like paxes and things like that i don't know for sure um but showed well in demos a long time ago and then got an influx of i believe money from annapurna um and has been in continual development since um it's got if you look up the credits uh, it's got you know a number of character artists and environment artists and animators and motion capture yeah. people and well you have to do that in order to make something as polished as this is and this is <laughs> Look, you're laughing, but this is a game that does some very technically okay. difficult things. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. But I, polished is not what I would have called this. We'll get into the the specifics there. But the other thing I was going to mention is that part of what you know, part of the the pitch on this game is that this is a star studded game. This is a game that has basically three main characters, and they are played by James McAvoy, Daisy Ridley, and Willem Dafoe. You can hardly get more star-studded voice cast than that. And they are all doing, I think, reasonably good voice acting. One of the things that is pretty good about this game, Daisy Ridley, I think, uh, owns in this. She's doing a great job. Uh, Willem Dafoe is being Willem Dafoe, and that's why you hire him, and he sounds exactly like himself. And James McAvoy sort of disappears into the role. I didn't even recognize his voice. He's just there. He's he's James McAvoy, you know, white man guy. Um, but it's still, great cast. Yeah, I think the last time I saw Willem... I love Willem Dafoe. I'm a lifetime fan of Willem Dafoe. I think maybe the last time I saw him in a game... Uh, was Beyond Two Souls, which is oh God. something I would love for us to cover on this podcast <laughs> one day. What are you trying to do to me, Shane? You're bringing me 12 minutes, and then you're trying to get me to do a... a, a, a what's his name? David Cage? Like, in the same right. breath? You're trying to kill me? <laughs> I think there are maybe even some similarities between this I, and like, I David I think you're Cage right. Game. I think you're right. This is... Mm, yeah. So, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They both kind of stylistically want to lean into the same sort of uh, thriller uh, slash detective fiction subgenre, mm-hmm. um, you know, and 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 this and they sort both of don't know how to do point. that in the format of a video game. <laughs> I think uh, this does it better. <laughs> you know, you're probably right. You're probably I, right. Okay, we need to talk about we need to talk about how this game works before we continue before I continue shitting on it and you continue mm-hmm. telling me that I'm being too harsh, which I probably am. So um, I don't know if I think you're being too harsh. I think you're having probably you're having obviously uh, a very um, ordinary like ordinary is maybe the wrong word, uh, but I think your your reaction is to this game is echoed by lots and lots of game reviewers who I respect. So. Um, you know, and I don't like totally disagree about it, but I do think that like that, that, that reaction kind of loses some of what this kind of, kind of just is a, is a, a reaction to what this game is 
trying to do in the first place, which I think is really wrapped up in the genre that it's trying to do, which is not a genre that games, Mm -hmm. I think, do particularly well. And I don't even know if the kind of structure that this game is trying to do does it particularly well. It certainly does something that's interesting and new. But what it's trying to do, I think, is a psychological thriller in uh, in that in a point and click of, adventure game format in a point and click adventure game format, which I don't I mean, it's hard for me to say if I've even seen that before. So before we get into maybe why people are having this really strong reaction, and I guess I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll give the warning up front. The reason that people have, I think, the reaction that they're having to this game is uh, that they feel like it has a treatment of violence that they don't really enjoy from this kind of game. Now, violence in games is yet another um, metaphorical can of worms that I'm not quite sure I want to open right now. But this is a game that ha- treats its violence very differently from violent video games that you would see, see under that uh, under that heading. Uh, yeah, actually, I want to I want to step violence. in for a second and say so, that like that is one aspect of why I disliked this game, uh, and it's a significant one. But it's not even the main issues that I have with this game. <laughs> so, um, yes, and yeah, yeah. So before we get into what that that whole conversation, yes. which I, I'm looking forward to, let's share a little bit more about what this game is um, in structure. This game is a uh, point and click adventure game, and I am generally the person on this podcast who is asked to play point and click adventure games. And I loved them. (laughs) I have loved many of them, but in general, when they get brought up as a potential game, I am the one who pushes back on them. Um, But I, because I don't really like playing them much anymore. I have, I have monkey Island out Um, and you know, lot, nothing, nothing that tries to be funny most of them try to be funny and none of them are really all that funny. Um, none of them are certainly as funny as monkey Island. Um, and I couldn't even do all the monkey islands. So yeah, that's where I'm coming from on that. But let's talk about this game. 12 minutes. You start, you are this husband who is kind of coming home to a romantic evening with your wife. Um, and a series of events that unfold, uh, that are pretty horrific. And, the the story is structured around a Groundhog Day style time loop. The name of the game being 12 Minutes tells you exactly what you need to know about this game. I think it's a great title. And I am, on a personal level, I was very drawn to this game because time loops in fiction are one of my favorite tropes. I really Absolutely. loved Groundhog Day. Absolutely. I am the person who spent way too much time thinking about the metaphysical implications of Groundhog Day. So, oh um, yeah. So you know, and we have just come off of a string. You know, we, we have a, a history of loving that on this on this podcast. I I pushed for us to play, um, uh, the Forgotten City because I heard, oh, this is a game uh, that's like ancient Roman underground Groundhog Day. 
Um, uh, li- dear listeners, if you are considering playing 12 minutes and you have instead the opportunity to play The Forgotten City, like if you're itching to play a time loop game, uh, number one time loop game of the year goes to Forgotten City. Let me tell you. Uh, yeah, th- no, I is- don't disagree with that at all. <laughs> yeah, that's a great <laughs> no game. question. Um, and there are things that this game could stand to gain from that. And I think in general, um, t- you know, time loops in media is a much more interesting conversation. So I'm not pulling back on it uh, <laughs> than talking about this game. But, um, you know, there are there are a lot of really popular movies, like, uh, for example, Edge of Tomorrow, which is, <laughs> I know, one of Reagan's favorite movies of all time. Oh, um, God. <laughs> and that movie took a lot of lessons from video games. It's basically um, the, the concept of restarting uh, frequently to see what happens if you try, if you, you know, learn from your mistakes and do things differently. Um, you know, it wasn't in the original Groundhog Day something that was tied to the idea of video games, but I think thematically today, it's something that's very much tied to the idea of video games. You know, people think, what happens if I save and reload? Uh, it, it's almost trite to say, but like, you know, every game has that. Mario is a time loop game because you die in the middle, you die to that Goomba in 1-1 and you're back at the beginning and Mario, Mario knows that there's a Goomba there now. And that's that's what this game is, too. This is, uh, you know, James McAvoy comes home to his loving wife, uh, gets gets hit by the Goomba, dies, and he's back at the beginning of 1-1 again. Uh, and that's that's this story. But this this in particular uh, is it's the worst night of your life. You know, you are playing... Princess uh, Peach, it's a me! The day is restarting every time <laughs> I fall out of the, the hole in the bottom of the level. No. <laughs> oh my god. Somebody needs to make that now. That's not a fan game. That would be <laughs> oh, somebody's done it. <laughs> 12, minutes, it the, the 12 minutes, the 12 the Mario fan game. Um, so, you the setup, and with every good time loop, the the initial loop obviously you're you know you're playing ignorant of uh what's going to happen and uh that first loop is sort of what defines the the tone and the events of the rest of the game so to begin with you come home to this tiny tiny apartment um at some point we need to talk about the weird layout of the apartment this is the strangest this game has a weird perspective and it has an extremely strange setting um but you come home to this tiny apartment your wife uh, uh, has made a special dessert. She sits you down at the table and tells you that, uh, well, she gives you a gift. The gift is a onesie. She is telling you that she is pregnant uh, with your baby, of course. And uh, then roughly around that time, there's a knock at the door. It is Willem Dafoe. And Willem Dafoe uh, tells you he's a police officer. Uh, and he, uh, if you let him in, uh, he comes into your house or he'll bar- he'll break down the door if you don't. And he'll come in and... Uh, knocks your wife to the ground and uh, puts her in zip tie style handcuffs, then does the same to you and then proceeds to ask her a bunch of questions about her father, uh, basically accuses her of killing her father and then murders you both or at the very least knocks you out because this day resets. If you are killed, if you try to leave the apartment or if you're knocked unconscious and you are the easiest person in the world to knock unconscious one hit from this cop and you go down. Um, so the, 
uh, early sort of possibility space of this game is, first of all, trying to figure out what's going on in some more detail. So when you come back in in loop number two, you can do things like question your wife about her father that she is supposedly meant to have killed. You can search the apartment for clues that might be related to that. You can see if there's any way to prevent the cop from getting in or see if there's a way to prevent him from killing you if he does, etc. But even if you do one of those things, you're on a 12 minute time limit. And at the end of the 12 minutes of your evening, the day will reset, even if you have not been knocked unconscious or killed. Um, and uh, this is a mystery game. So the initial mystery uh, spins out into several further questions. But the initial mystery is, why is this police officer purportedly uh, breaking into my home to assault my wife and I? Uh, and, you know, what is the backstory there? And once you discover that, there's a significant further mysteries that need to be, uh, what is the word for resolving a mystery? Solved. Solved. That's yeah. the word that I was looking for. In general, and what I, when I, when I am defending this game, because I, I again feel like I'm in the position of the guy who liked the thing that everyone is saying they didn't like, um, what I am saying I like here is um, the way that it is playing in what I feel like is one of the two genres that it is trying to do. And um, so it is trying to do two different things. It is trying to do uh, the kind of time loop fiction um, subgenre slash trope, right? It is a uh, Groundhog Day alike. And it is trying to do psychological horror. And those are two things that I absolutely love and two things that I was desperately curious to see how well they would mesh. And the answer is maybe not all that well, but I am very, very glad to see those two things put together. <clears throat> so first off, before I get into the, 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 what I, what I like there, I, I want to talk about what I think this game is trying to do because it does a pretty damn good job with some of the time loop elements. And then it, I feel like maybe misses the mark on some of the um, psychological horror elements. So, and I think maybe that is where a lot of people are, are thinking it maybe missed the, the mark more broadly in the copy about this game. When they say, okay, what is this game from the developer? They call it an interactive narrative that blends the dreamlike suspense of The Shining with the claustrophobia of Rear Window and the fragmented structure of Memento. Okay, before, before you go any farther, I, no, I got to interrupt because I have to say this game is so up its own ass. It is, it is like all up into its own colon on this. Like this, this is, you, this is, that is a description that, that is, it is inconceivable to me that a person sat down pen to paper and wrote the script for this work and thought he was going to make that he was making something that was even remotely comparable to any of those pieces that were just discussed. This game is nothing like The Shining. There is not a scent of shining in this apart from the obvious shining carpeting reference on the intro hallway that you walk over and I thought, oh, the carpet from The Shining. Never thought about The Shining again. Rear window, okay, it's claustrophobic, I guess, but that's not what re made rear window, rear window. It's not rear window because it took place in a small apartment. It was rear window because it was Hitchcock and there's not a hint of Hitchcock in this. And then Memento, this has a 
fragmentary structure because it is a time loop, not because it is well made or made in an interesting structure. It has the only structure that potentially could work for a time loop video game, which is to say that it is repeating the same. It's 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 bizarre. Well, it's OK, because I was about to interrupt you anyway, uh, because as is you as is often the case when you and I are both on the podcast by ourselves and we have no third party um, and I feel at least somewhat entitled to interrupt you more. Um, you have interrupted <laughs> me trying to make a point uh, I have. about I have. The, I have. Please about proceed. Something that I, I just, literally brought up. I was and, just so and tried to make Please my point ahead. for me. Tried to uh, make my point for me, uh, uh, and I think done it badly. Which is, you know, I think. Uh, you, okay, why don't you? Why don't you? Is, Shane, airing of grievances. Uh, but, Fair enough. Shane, uh, do you want me to edit that out? I'll go ahead and uh, and let no, you no, no, take no, the whole this, piece again. I think our listeners are entitled to some of our twin drama on an episode that's just you and me. But um, <laughs> the so let me let me talk about this sentence because here is why this kind of sentence gets written. Like this is ad copy for the game, right? So when you're sure. creating your ad copy, you're trying to you're trying to give comparables, right? And like a good a, a good comparable in your elevator pitch is to say like it's this meets that right. And this is them trying to do that, and I definitely think that they fucked it up a little bit because it's definitely <laughs> not any of these things. But here's why I think they're trying to hang a hat on these three elements. This is this is the game being a little bit confused, but I think it does some of the things it's hanging a lantern on here very well. So is it The Shining? No, it is not The Shining. But why are they bringing up The Shining? Because it is trying to be uh, a supernatural psychological thriller, which is something you don't see very much in video games. And style and genre-wise, I is one of the things that drew me to the game. So is it The Shining? Uh, no. Should they have referenced The Shining? No. But that is what they're trying to do. Um, the claustrophobia of this is, I think, my favorite part of the structure of this game. Because... First off, it gives you, we haven't even mentioned the weird perspective that this game, game gives you. It gives you this uh, perspective of looking down into a rectangular room. Everything plays out, well, nearly everything plays out in one main room with a couple of little, like the there's a living room with a closet, and then you can also kind of walk out into a, a bedroom. It's the world's bathroom. worst and tiniest apartment. It It's a very tiny apartment. Um, the claustrophobia of that is something I have not seen ever before in, again, one of my favorite tropes, this um, uh, town of time loop genre or mini, you know, reference. Um, and so that is something that I think is actually quite terrifying. Imagine if you were in this traumatic situation and like, it's, it's like, what if groundhog day, but what if uh, before he could even walk out the door and save the kid that falls out of the tree every morning, uh, Bill got fucking destroyed, right? <laughs> like, like what if, what if, like, Ned Ryerson, like, started the day hunting Bill down and shooting him in his bed, and he was stuck, there, you know? So, so that is, I think, a very effective setup, and a part of what makes the pitch for this game really, really good. And then... The fragmented structure of Memento, ah, fuck off with that. But uh, the, <laughs> the, the, they're, they're literally hanging a hat on something that we won't eat, hanging a lantern on here, something that we won't get to until the spoiler break. That is uh, them uh, trying to reach a little bit for 
some of this sort of psychological thriller genre uh, space that they clearly want to play in and failing to do it in a way that I think is very gr- is is on the money. Uh, but it's obvious what they're trying to go for with okay. Memento. I think we talked a, a lot here about their their pitch for the game. And in fairness, it brought me in. And I uh-huh. I actually think that the first hour or so of playing this game was pretty compelling. Um, yeah. So, you know, we uh, we agree the uh, the top down perspective is unusual and drew me into the experience because it is so contained. And it, you have this feeling that, like, if I'm going to be spending my entire game time in this tiny space and there's not even that many props, uh, like, how are they going to spin a puzzle game out of this? How is how am I going right. to solve a mystery w- within these four walls? And uh, they do that pretty well for the first hour in a way that I thought, like, was interesting. And the the performances hours are beyond good. That, <laughs> hours beyond that top-down perspective does start to kind of feel like you're playing the weird, the world's most fucked up mod of The Sims. It but, is. Uh, <laughs> it, it, and honestly, it has, it has a lot of that Sims animation stank on it, too. <laughs> yeah, it does. Like, a lot of these, like... I uh, have expected her to, like, go and get the cup from the from the uh, you know put the dishes on the floor while she washed the cup or something like that oh my you god <laughs> but yeah because it's in this top-down perspective first of all that's a weird perspective to look at any human being from for a length of time <laughs> uh so like yeah. there's uh, at first my thought was like wow this is a really clever uh strange twist right because you're, you're looking from the top down you can see the entire space but there's interesting ways that things can be concealed you know if there's something underneath something obviously you can't see it and there's there's ways that things can be hidden here this is a clever choice and fair enough it, it is a is a clever choice to do this sort of claustrophobic top-down perspective but it also leads you to weird stuff like um you know this is a a point-and-click adventure game. So you click to walk. You click in a spot, your character walks to that spot. Um, There's a lot of weird pathing issues because this game is full of these very um, highly staged animations uh, that, you know, the uh, the game will have these moments that are meant to play out in a particular way. And because of the way the puzzles work, they have to play out in a particular way. So uh, let me give you a quick, for instance, um, the cop breaks in and uh, he has some words with your wife then he knocks her to the ground and puts the zip tie handcuffs on her. That's a self-contained animation that cannot be interrupted. And that's because it's a key part of the story. No matter what happens during that moment, those two characters are going to do their thing. You might be standing right next to them. Maybe you have the knife. Maybe you're holding a spoon. Right. Maybe you're holding nothing at all. Um, you cannot do anything to them while they are doing that. And if you click to walk somewhere, you're going to walk around or potentially through them. I can forgive that kind of thing. It, this is a very high budget game. It feels like it's, you know, they put a lot of effort into making some of the, some moments interruptible, but others not. Um, they clearly like tried here, but like it's, they're definitely meeting this weird conflict of like, we have these staged moments that have to happen. Um, and, yeah. but we also want to keep things flexible so you can feel like you're trying things. I don't want to dwell too much on the animation because, you know, I know we, when we discussed this previously in the discord, uh, a few people were saying like, oh, you know, husband clips through wife, you know, animation bad. Yeah. By the way, did we mention that the weird naming thing here? It never gives the characters a name. James McAvoy is, does it name husband. him? It's like husband. Uh, husband. The other character is wife, which I think wife. is very funny. She is wife. This is wife. Hello, wife. And Willem Dafoe, the, uh, Willem Dafoe is cop. Uh, although the names, 
may change as you make discoveries but you never learn like willem dafoe is steve it's always cop or wife yeah i I think that's kind of an interesting um interesting thing about this it's a that's a stylistic choice i kind of like that you know you know Mm it's it makes it it weirdly personal but also impersonal um and i i don't think the the like writing at you know in in and around the dialogue and the characters is anything that i necessarily would fault in this game i think it does a pretty well, good job I, but, I think you know you're you're trying to hand wave away the the like animations i think they are a huge part of one of the problems i have right. with this game which is okay. just the simple playability of it you know in any time loop video game um you know we're we've talked about a zillion of the of them on this game on this show even recently like uh overboard is one arguably uh obviously the forbidden uh forgotten city uh we played outer wilds um and we've probably done others I'm not thinking of. And this is, this is a, yeah. a genre or, tro- or at least a trope. That's, you know, something that it can be done very well. And this game didn't exactly lack for a prior art to examine. One of the things that is, I think vital in that kind of game is the ability to, once you know what you're wanting to do quickly iterate. Um, you know, if you look at the forgotten city, right. uh, it does that with Galerius, which is, Oh my like, gosh. We are some Galerius stands. We really, uh, really, really game. are. And this, this, this should should really have had a Galerius. Yeah, for for the listeners, uh, Galerius, which I think Galerius is just now added to my game design lexicon. Um, but in in the Forgotten City, the first person you meet, literally the very first person outside of the uh, door you step through in the time loop, is Galerius, who is a uh, NPC who you can instantly tell him. Um, hey, could you go and take care of all of these things for me, please? Right, and you know he's 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 an interesting character. Beyond that, he is integral to the story. But uh, what makes him great is that in some in a in a game where you are going to reset your progress every day, it is absolutely a a godsend to have an administrative assistant who can recomplete all your quests for you and help you get back to the same point that you want to be at to progress your overall story outside the time loop. So yeah. now, especially in that game where the time loop can be way longer than 12 minutes. So I understand, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to have an extra character. You don't standing need around Galerius here. here, but if, if they're what you, the equivalent of a Galerius in this game would be um, if somehow being you able to able fast to... forward an animation would be one. Oh, any animation, God, yes. any animation, or jump to jump to a particular branch. Because now this is part of the fantasy of the time loop in fiction. The the and I'm I'm I have a lot to say about this because this is one of my favorite tropes. But part of the fantasy of the time loop in fiction is that um, you're going to be repeating the same day all over and over again. And so you gain a level of impossible hypercompetence, right? This is what enabled Bill in Groundhog Day to have ultimately that perfect day that released him from the time loop, right? This is what allowed uh, Tom Cruise, uh, character has no name but Tom Cruise, in um, in uh, Edge of Tomorrow to have uh, that final run where he, you know, finally manages to defeat the time looping aliens. You know, right? so uh, and and when when this kind of fiction is working great, um, it is giving you the player in the video game that experience 
of saying like, oh, I did this run perfectly, right? I, um, you know, I combined my foreknowledge of what the events that, you know, I couldn't have no knowledge of um, with the, you know, just reenacting things that I needed to and get to exactly the point that I want. So this game does something very different from those, right? So th- that is kind of similar to the experience that you mentioned, like Mario is in a time loop, right? I'm completing level one, one again. And finally, when I get through it in the perfect way, I, I've moved on to level two or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, and that's kind of like, I guess, the the Groundhog Day trope in a way. Um, but what this game is asking you to repeat over and over again is some real fucked up shit, right? Mm-hmm. So... And and so that is part of the horror of this game. Now, imagine we're, we're we're asked to kind of imagine like this. In so I, I have to stop for a moment and talk about psychological horror. What I was hoping for when it comes with the com- combination of horror and the time loop, okay? Because I have spent, and and this is this is going to be me talking about why I wanted to like this game, what 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 I was hoping for from this game, and also this is me talking on a podcast about things that are other than this game because I think. In general, I think this is a fringe recommendation for this game. Um, don't play it. Don't play it. Don't play it. What I will recommend, uh, and I'll try and get a get a, a link into the show notes, is, um, well, essentially anything that really uh, addresses the time loop uh, trope from the space of horror. Uh, there was a piece of kind of essentially fan fiction, and I will I will dig it up and I will I will include a link in the show notes. Um, that was. Uh, what if uh, Bill in Edge of Tomorrow? <laughs> I'm sorry, they're all bl- bl- blurring together. That'd be a good, that'd be if, a good one, though. What if Bill in Groundhog Day? What if, What if he was in Edge of Tomorrow? Actually, <laughs> um, so so the 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 story of Groundhog Day. I know everybody knows it. Uh, is that he kind of manages to have this one perfect day where he is he has um, repeated the day over and over again, and it has made him a better person. And he has the perfect day with his lady love, whose name I don't remember. Um, and that's how they escape. He creates a perfect day for her. Now, the I have I, please forgive me for recounting the plot of a piece of fan fiction to you right now. Please, I'm riveted, Shane. I have no idea what you're um, talking about. So please continue. Um, the imagine if he had woken up the next day and the day had reset anyway. Right now, imagine, imagine if he'd created that one perfect day and it did not free him. Right. That's the horror. That's the start of the psychological horror that's inherent in Groundhog Day. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. The the true horror. Now, the, 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 the middle of this uh, uh, of this story is like, what if he were truly trapped in this Groundhog Day for, you know, how many times do you think he repeated the day in Groundhog Day, he clearly read in in the movie, in the text of the movie, he read every book in the library, right? So, you know, he he must have lived, um, you know, eons, decades, yeah. Decades. Now, did he live eons? What is left? And the 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 question that entrances me about the uh, the intersection of the time loop fiction and horror is what is left of a man after he repeats something like even this boring day in uh punxatani uh but maybe even more so something traumatic like this what is left of a man after he repeats it billions of times you know hundreds of billions of times you know what does that turn you into 
what comes out the other side isn't even human, I think. You're, you're so, really so, selling me on a game that doesn't exist, Shane. I know! I really am. Um, and I'll, I, will, I will link to this wonderful piece of, and it's audio fan fiction, so it'll be great for our podcast listeners. I can't wait, because I have no idea what you're talking about. I think, I think often of, uh, there, was a, there was a lawsuit with the writers of, of Groundhog Day between them and people who'd made a TV movie based on a, a science fiction short story called 12.01 p.m. Did you ever see 12.01 p.m., Shane? No. Nope. So this, this is another piece. That, so the sort of prior art of Groundhog Day that literally there was a lawsuit about this uh, was a TV movie about a man who starts resetting the same hour, 12.01 p.m. He's like a, an, a businessman, and he just starts so resetting like 12 the same minutes. hour. It does. Uh, standing in the middle of, of uh, traffic, you know, and uh, he just sort of wakes up in the middle of going to his lunch break and repeats the same hour again and again. And I'll spare you all of the time-loopy details, um, but he finally uh, manages to figure out a way to talk to a particle physicist and over a few loops convince that particle physicist of what's going on with him repeating the same day over and over. And the particle physicist knows exactly what's going on and says, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. And that's the end of the Yeah. And so it's this, so bleak. I mean, this, it is so bleak. That is, so this genre, that's the I, horror. I, I am. That's the it's horror. A stretch to call. Yeah, it's a stretch to call this a genre. But like what you've just said, I've never heard of that. But that is a plot line in my favorite thing that came out using this trope in the last few years, which is also a comedy. Uh, it was the movie Palm Springs. It's on brilliant. Netflix. Really, really Absolutely good. Absolutely brilliant. One of my favorite versions of this ever done. And so what is what are the versions of this that really work? Um, they're comedies with with some of our you know uh, our 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 age's greatest uh tv lovable goofs you know we've got we've got bill murray uh, we've got adam sandberg right that's what you need energy wise uh to make this concept work in a comedic way but i have never seen apart from edge of tomorrow which i still love uh and is a movie that um I, I have an Edge me. of Tomorrow story that I will save for after the podcast, and we may decide yeah. to share. I keep I keep bringing it up because I don't <laughs> because I I know you will not uh, honestly tell your Edge of Tomorrow story. But I'm, I'll just say it's a movie that really speaks to me. Uh, Shane and I Shane a, and I have history with the film Edge of Tomorrow that we'll get into. So time. yeah, this is this is our listeners are getting to get the real the real twin experience here. Where we we make stupid inside jokes that no one we had an in joke that we're not letting them in on. Sorry. Yeah. listeners. Um, so you could probably edit that out for their own good, but uh, in maybe they will tell it in the next loop. But the, um, the, so the version, like I said, the version of this that works as media is this comedic version, right? And I think Palm Springs does a really good job of selling uh, the like the bleakness of it in a way because it it add you know, but but the 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 thing that I'm interested in with this trope is uh, the much 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 bleaker, much more horrifying version of it. And this is maybe this game gets a little closer to that. Uh, because this game asks you to do something that really no game should probably ask you to do, which is to repeatedly, repeatedly watch uh, the protagonist's beloved wife, uh, who only wants to have a nice romantic evening with him, uh, be absolutely fucking annihilated. Okay, 
Shane, you have you have done a very, very good job of setting out why this game fails to achieve the heights of other great pieces of fiction the, that deal in these tropes. The promise that this that this combination has is what I'm trying right. to sell you on. Right. Right. And I was sold from the beginning because I heard time you know, I heard the I heard the pitch at the beginning, and I am very, very disappointed. But it's not only for that reason. It is also because this is a bad game with bad writing. Uh, and there are a number of ways that this game is bad. Shane is making a face, so he doesn't 100% agree with me. But I want to talk about these because I... So, obviously, a lot of why this is so bad, a lot of a lot of the things that really, really made me hate this game are spoilers. And we're gonna... I'm gonna rip it apart in the, after the spoiler break. But I gotta save that mostly yeah, let's just go. the spoiler break. But yeah, before let's we, just break it. Before we do, uh, there are a few things that I can say about it. Before we hit spoiler break, I already mentioned... The weird Sims jank on the animations, and that is an aspect that that really bothered me. When you are doing this thing for the 15th time, and you have a time-sensitive action to take, where you need to go into one room, grab an item, go to a different room, grab a different item, so that it's not on the table when somebody else goes to look for it. Go and combine those items, put them into another spot, do some parts of this unobserved, and do it by minute one. Fine, that's a really interesting and clever thing to have somebody do in in this context of a time loop game. But then having to do it thirty times, yeah, I went nuts. I was I was just like found it very frustrating. Some of the things that this game asks you to repeatedly do, because again, no Galerius, you know, there's no there's no jump to even though twelve minutes isn't a very long time. There's no there's no shortcuts in this. There's shortcuts in some of the dialogue where you like learn new information. So you learned a new way to say, for example, convince your wife that you ha- are doing a time loop. But that's not actually that important or useful. Um, what's important is that you be able to, for example, juggle three inventory items in a way that's very specific and very fast uh, in a point-and-click adventure game kind yeah. of format. That sucks. Second thing that really the- sucks here. Sorry. Go ahead. I have. Okay. You tell. I'll, I'll give w- my one last thing that I think is a recommendation for this game that I can share before the spoiler break. And then you tell one more thing uh, that you think should convince people not to play it. And then we'll <laughs> let them make up their own minds. Um, so you brought up that the there are these kind of shortcuts in the dialogue. Now, I actually think that the NPCs and the dialogue that you have with them, especially the wife. Um, so first off, Daisy Ridley gives an, an, an excellent performance as wife uh i'm sure that De- daisy ridley is uh you know she she is great she's doing uh, an american she, accent and it's fine yeah I, I i would never have guessed that she was not an american i know there are lots of people who probably are have an ear more finely tuned than i um the the thing i'll say about the npc of wife is <laughs> that uh not only is it, I thought, well-written and well-acted, it is one of the most interactive NPCs you'll find in video games. Uh, there is a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of di- And that NPC is a is an independent actor. You brought up this whole sequence of these, like, 30 steps that you have to take with the items in the first minute in order to, like, truly master the loop. And, you know, maybe you did that in the first hour. That is the most effective part of the game. And that whole part of the game is exploring the space of possibility of what you can do with the items in the room, but also with the interaction with this NPC of the wife who's present from the very beginning. So 
Um, and what she sees and what she does and how she responds to what she sees. I'll just give you some examples of like, there's a lot of interplay with like different cups and cutlery in the, in the place. And if you have like moved around the cups, she's going to notice and react to that. And there's lots of things that you can do that this NPC is very reactive to. And, um, you know, where the emotional state of this NPC matters and all of the different things going on. I think that element, although maybe it didn't work as well for you, worked very well for me and I was very impressed by it. So that I think is something that if you are curious to see um, an NPC that seems to have realistic reactions in an adventure game context and has... Uh, and you're going to have lots of runs to interact with them and really explore what they can do. This is a game where you'll see that. Also, great voice acting. Yeah. So we're going to have a spoiler break here in a moment. And uh, I will say that structurally, this game has basically two, maybe three big twists. And this game had me up through its first twist. Uh, and it does a subversion of the uh, of the sort of structure of the Groundhog Day style loop uh, within its about first third that I it had me up to that point. So really, everything else that I have to say about it that didn't work for me comes from you know I think I played this game for a total of six hours, um, and everything really that I have that's true complaints about the game are from the final four. Um, and all of it is sort of spoiler blocked. So we're going to go to spoiler break now and uh, and talk about that stuff. Uh, but if you, uh, if you aren't staying past the spoiler break, here is my suggestions for this game. First of all, I don't recommend playing this game. Shane may feel otherwise, and you're free to make up your mind. Uh, it is on Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, definitely don't buy it on Steam. Go play it on Game Pass. Uh, this is a Game Pass game, man. This is exactly this is exactly the thing. I do, I I do recommend you play this game because I feel like I've had a lot of fun discussing this game, and I would like to talk about it with more people. I don't recommend it because I think it's absolutely the best video game that's out there. But I do think that it's short, and if you have Game Pass, it's free and. Uh, I think it's interesting if you're interested mm-hmm. in the same things I'm interested in. So I, I think that's uh, fair. And I also think like it's it, it, it is a game I've had more fun talking about than playing. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. I've had a lot of fun talking about it, even just on this episode and 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 prior. Um, I've had some fun reading uh, and agreeing with or disagreeing with reviews. So if you're interested in participating in the discourse in that way, sure, why not? Um, but would I go out of my way to play this game if I don't have it readily available to me? I probably would not. Uh, so that's where I fall da- land on it. Um, it also makes me, because I don't know where else to stick this, it also makes me a little concerned about uh, what I think I see as a sort of a pattern with Annapurna uh, as a publisher lately. Annapurna is a publisher that's like sort of, you know, we've said many times it's kind of a favorite on our podcast. Uh, and I've loved many of their games. I mean, heck, they they publish Outer Wilds and, you know, that gives them a lot of grace in my opinion. Um, but over the last several games that Annapurna has published, I've noticed a sort of a turn towards a specific approach or, or format that I think is a bad idea. And I can see where Annapurna arrives at this approach, but I, I don't think it's serving them well. And I hope that they're reevaluating. And the approach that I'm seeing here is that basically they are finding these 
promising long time in development indie games that have been you know demoed to uh you know to acclaim at some point games that have been maybe you know been percolating showing up at paxes and other other events uh demoed for press uh and kind of parachuting in and applying money to them hey great it's always good for devs to have additional money and time to polish things before they release them but also their stamp seems to be applying, uh, you know, Hollywood talent or big name voice acting to these smaller scale indie projects uh, in order to bring them to market. That sounds like a good idea, right? If you apply uh, Hollywood talent to a game that may bring in a, uh, a an audience or at least sort of a marketing angle that maybe the game wouldn't have had prior. You know, putting Daisy Ridley in the cast of this definitely brought more eyes to it. You know, there's, I think it was a re- reviews in like major newspapers and that sort of thing. So, you know, fair approach. But I also think that, first of all, I don't think the results are speaking particularly well. When I look back at like the games that this, this is applied to, like they they uh, did that with Maquette and Maquette sort of landed like a wet fart. Um I am dead, similar kind of story. And I, you know, we, we kind of had mixed feelings on that one coming down a little bit on the negative side. Um, uh, last stop that just came out. I really wanted to like, because it was from the developers of, of Virginia, a game that I thought was pretty brilliant and I really tried, but it was a snoozer for me. I just couldn't get into it. Uh, and the gameplay style of it was weird. And it feels to me like if you put this big budget into voice acting you're doing two things one is you know obviously you know the the um putting big money into the voice acting means that there's being a lot of attention paid especially in the sort of latter part of development uh to that but it also means that the game becomes frozen in amber as as soon as you record that voice acting Uh, now i'm not a developer and i've also you know i don't have the inside story on the development of any of those games but i've got to think that like if somebody was going to take a pass at 12 minutes and improve it, you know, focus on what works, take out things that didn't, uh, redo the god awful ending, which we'll get to. Um, you certainly can't do that if you can't get James McAvoy or Daisy Ridley or Willem Dafoe back in a studio, you know, and 12 minutes or Annapurna, as big as they are, are not going to get a second day of studio time with Willem Dafoe. He's gone. Um, so like, I've got to feel like that money and attention would have been spent so much better on a second script pass. I mean, I'm sure this had many script passes over the years it was in development, but like, good God, have Annapurna send somebody in and fix the story, you know, uh, rather than, than, uh, parachuting in Willem Dafoe, like, This this would have played so much better with no voice acting and a lot better script. Fair enough. Um, I, I definitely think you're on the right track here with this being something that is designed to get attention for this project. But really, that is exactly the job of a movie star. You know, when you mm-hmm. hire a movie star, it's because you want to have a reliable performance and a notable name associated mm-hmm. with your project but that doesn't that i don't doesn't think make that's a, a bad game. thing and i think that you're you, you know you're you're saying like okay this means that the game is frozen in amber like i don't necessarily think that like it, it's fine they're gonna make more <laughs> you know there's gonna be more <laughs> video games true uh you know we play one every week so uh it's 
it's not like I am out here saying, oh man, I really hope they do some DLC. That no, that's, and that's not what I'm saying. That is not, that's not what I'm this. saying. What I'm saying is that there was a point in the development process of this game where they could have taken their budget and applied it to, to improving the story by ha- this is a game that like, Huge numbers of people that played this game had major negative reactions to it, and they, they could have picked that up and played this game. Them. How long was this in development, though? Like for quite a few years. The, yeah, this was in, in development for a few years. So, like, does another year solve the problems you see here? I I kind of doubt that. This is the this is there's a reason this has one guy's name on it, Luis Antonio. Right. This is this is I think maybe exactly the thing he wanted to make. So, like, you know, he's made it. Okay. It's a it's an Artur piece. It's done. Like it, it is what it is. That's uh, fair. I don't think- That's fair. I don't know. I don't know what was in his heart. But if this was his ultimate expression of this, uh, he's. I mean, he's. <laughs> sorry, it's bad. Like <laughs> it's really bad. Let's okay. Let's go to spoiler break. We'll get into the talking. Let's go to. Sp- let's go to spoiler. And with break. that, let's talk about how to find us on the internet. Yes, if you <laughs> are Luis Antonio. Don't find us on the internet because. Uh, or maybe find me first. <laughs> um, but you can find me on Twitter at 8BitShane. You can find me on Twitter at ReaganK. And the show is on Twitter at underscore short game. We're also at www.theshortgame.net. That's where you'll find all of our links and our contact form, our searchable show notes page. If you're wanting to search for our back through our back catalog, um, you can also find us on Patreon. Uh, so patreon.com slash the short game every one of our patrons gets access to our discord which is where we talk about the show you can tell me what you thought about 12 minutes i am eager to hear it uh you can also suggest please do we need a tiebreaker apparently apparently yeah um (laughs) i i take the entire internet as being on my side on this one so i think i think i've won uh but you know who's to say so I mentioned our Discord. All of our patrons can chat with us there. Uh, but of course, uh, if you come in at the $5 level, dear listener, you get stickers. So we would appreciate that too. Uh, and every one of our listeners also gets access to episodes a bit early, uh, often as much as three or four days early. So if that's compelling for you, uh, there we go. Uh, and uh, here it is, your spoiler break. And uh, listeners, um, I just kind of it's while while we're on this weird episode where it's just me and Reagan, um, I will I will point out the thing that I can never unhear when we go to the spoiler break, which is that Reagan has completely uh, stolen his delivery of here it is your spoiler break from Craig Kilborn, the uh, the <laughs> Daily Show host that nobody nobody remembers or or wants um from before john stewart uh so I, I cannot unhear it if you ever hear that tell me listeners do you hear it too now i'm self-conscious i don't know i i, I know exactly what you're talking about the moment of zen that he used to do at the end of those yes. episodes man i feel old because it that how how long ago did craig Kilborn stop doing the daily show i kind of have to look that up now uh and why do i remember his delivery yeah i don't know uh, maybe it's because we've been in a time loop uh, ever since he left The Daily Show in 1998. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were 13. Uh, yeah, Reagan. <laughs> we were 13. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... Something um, stick. 
yeah, something stick. Uh, thank you, Craig Kilborn, for your service. Uh, so the this game is bad, and let me tell you why. And Shane, you can feel free to interrupt me as I know you will, because I cannot prevent it. Um, so I, I just have to lay out what all the all the twists are because they're so fucking dumb. Okay, so this is yeah, this is what some of one of the things dumb. that really the bothers me about this game, but not even reasonably okay. good. The following twists are dumb. Yes. I think in in retrospect, they're all painted quite dumb uh, by the following twists. Uh, but the uh, the first twist is what? Oh, yeah, I agree. That first twist is decent. So the first twist, you know, if you're coming in with knowledge of the film Groundhog Day, you know that what I need to do is navigate this situation. So everyone leaves, has a hug and is and is going going about their business in a in a way that's, you know, the leaves with a positive attitude or whatnot. Right. So you need to uh, um, stop the cop from killing your your wife. You need to find out what the deal is with your wife's father. Uh, so you can find out, uh, you discover the information that she didn't act by, I think you have to do it by torturing the cop, which we'll get to that in a minute, you, uh, that she didn't actually kill her father. And then you have to prove that to the cop so that she and your, and get the cop to listen to you when you, uh, when you say that, uh, and then everybody sort of hugs and walks away. So you think this is the end of your story, right? They've, they've determined, okay, yeah. Uh, this is I, exactly what I wanted out of the game is this moment when it subverts the Groundhog Day loop. Right. Um, by the way, I, I should have given this before the spoiler break, uh, but I'll just go ahead and give it now. Uh, the piece of fan fiction that I was trying to reference um, is from a podcast called Imaginary Advice. Imaginary Advice is kind of a uh, sci-fi adjacent piece of you know podcast for audio fiction where a creator called uh, Ross Sutherland gives these kind of little pieces of writing every episode, just little monologues and different things like that. And, uh, you know, many of them are really great, but the one I'm, I'm thinking of um, is called 10,000 Years. And that's the one where it kind of subverts Groundhog Day by kind of asking... Uh, what if the happy ending from Groundhog Day had not actually freed Bill Murray's character, Phil Collins? What if it was just another day um, and then he was continued to be trapped there for another 10,000 years, right? Um, and this has a moment where it subverts that loop, where you have that perfect dinner with your wife, where... Uh, you know, she shares, there's even, there's even what I, one of my favorite moments in the game is not really a puzzle element, but you are able to kind of experiment with, uh, how you should react to the news that your character is going to be a father, right? Um, like you can react well and you can react badly to it, you know? And when you have that perfect day, you get through to the end and then the day resets anyway. And mm -hmm. that is the true horror in this game. That is the that is the horror in this game that works. Yeah. And that happens after essentially two hours. 
right of my yeah. six hour experience now I'm, i might have might be that 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 number might be a little off because i spent a good long while at the end chasing endings this is a game that has multiple endings that you can uh right. kind of go between and so my six hour playtime might be a little bit overstuffed because of that kind of say don't bother pick just get the ending and be done with the game and shave that extra hour off of the playtime because you're yeah. not getting that much or out of it. stop after that first twist because that would have been a better game. And I agree with you, Shane, yeah. that that was a great moment. That was a really good moment and does show the promise of this kind of storytelling in sort of unnerving you and uh, and asking you to think about the horror of endlessness, right? Um, so that worked. And the claustrophobia of being trapped in this one moment where you know that you're you know simply going to be re-traumatized over and over again forever. That's yeah. great. That's great. So, uh, okay, moving past that, that doesn't end the day. So obviously, what is our next goal? Well, perhaps it ha- we, in order to, to stop this loop, we don't just have to prove that our wife is innocent and prevent the cop from killing her and have him go off in search of the true killer. Maybe we have to actually solve this thing right here. Um, and so the next... A few loops are about trying to apply what little information we have about the half-brother your wife didn't even know she had uh, to the information that the cop has by way of torture uh, in order to try to figure out uh, who might have... Oh, and sorry, we didn't even mention part of the important part of of proving that your wife didn't do it is that there's a timeline thing here. This is where one of the plot holes in the story comes up that really bothered me as I was playing through. Um, And I'll mention it because there are a few plot holes in here, but this one just like really puzzled me. Uh, Some of the plot holes are explainable by some of the timey-wimey brains or weird stuff that comes into the ending. This one didn't make sense to me either. Um, So... The, you prove to the cop that your wife couldn't have killed her father because the timeline was that she shot her father and then fled, but he didn't die. He actually died several days later. He started to recover when somebody else, the brother, came and shot him and shot him on New Year's Eve. And we know that she's innocent because there's a photo on your fridge of her from that very New Year's Eve, which was when your, uh, your character met her at a party, took this photograph of her. Um. Now I'll say, in, uh, jumping ahead a little bit, what I'm talking about the plot hole, so I don't forget to mention it, is that you took this photo of her at a party on the same night in which you apparently shot her father. How did you? How did you manage that? How did you manage to shoot him and also be at that party? You, you, the thing, the very thing that is supposed to exonerate her would exonerate right. you well, too. Well, here, here is something where I will, I will point to something that this game does that is subtle that I think it does well um, that I couldn't talk about before the spoiler break. And that is that the, um, and since we're post spoiler break, I kind of have to spoil more for this, but the, uh, the photo as you get these revelations actually changes. I don't know if you noticed. I don't think I did. Tell me about that. All right. So there's many things in the apartment that change as you learn more about the time loop and about, the you know as you as you gain more information and as you continue through the loops one of them is that the photo changed from one version of the photo to another and there's nothing particularly unique about them so it's very easy to miss but the ones that i the things like this that i spotted um are some changes to there's a painting in the bedroom um that changes and that's kind of the most obviously symbolic like i i, I think it changes from like 
two lovers to like two lovers. I think a monster appears in the apart. background or something. Yeah, like a monster that. shows. Yeah. yeah, when the monster is mentioned, quote unquote, the monster is mentioned. There's a monster that appears in the painting, and there's several other things like this. There's a there's basically every piece of art uh, is one of these as well, except for one that is a like a Morris Code, uh, uh, red herring that. Red herring. Yeah. Pure you see herring. this Morse code on the wall um, and you're like, I'm going to have to solve that, aren't I? And no, you don't. Um, and in fact, a lot of the art shit is is used as a visual element that is trying to hang a hat on what the game is trying to do, which is the psychological horror elements. Because the fact that these things are changing is proof of the fact that this is not the real world, so to yeah, speak. it's it's taking uh, place in the character's the, head in a sense. Oh yeah, there's like a flower that changes on the nightstand that dies or something like that. There's no, other no, stuff. no. You can you can water it and it grows across um across loops. If you if you put water <gasps> on it, that's what it that will, was. It will yeah, grow. okay. I, I think I I messed around with that, but there's um. So yeah, we're 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 noticing that there's some things that aren't real here or that are at least mutable in ways that they shouldn't okay, be. Okay, here's where things really went off the rails for me in terms of what I where I decided this is terrible. I do not like this writing. It's really dumb. Um the first thing that you discover is, uh, after discovering that you know your wife didn't do it, you're trying to figure out who did do it and uh uh you there's a really I think stupid connection where the cop remembers that the nanny uh, that that the wife's father was was sleeping with her name uh the the father of the bastard son the quote unquote monster that that we've at this point determined is the person who really killed the father um so that person's mother was named i don't remember the cop says Dolly. Uh, of course shane but the, the, oh, the yeah, cop yeah, doesn't yeah, remember yeah. That. he doesn't he says he doesn't say he right. thinks it's daisy or a flower Thank name right and then uh you know you put together that the the gift that your wife gave you is a onesie with your mother's name on it. And your mother's name is Dahlia. And then you can show that to the cop in a very fiddly thing. that's easy to mess up because you have to show it to him at just the right moment. And if you don't, it's not obvious that you did it wrong. So it's easy to miss that bit, which I found very frustrating. But if you show that to this, the cop successfully mid torture scene, because you have to be stabbing him to death while you show him this, of course, otherwise he won't listen. No, to you. I, I showed it to him after uh, convincing him to help. Okay. Not torturing him. I only okay. ever tortured him one time. Oh, I had to do it several times. But in, in any case, yeah. um, you show him this at, at a time when he is responsive to you. And um, and he will realize that, yes, that's the name. And so then you, the character, put together, well, there's only the possibility of, of one woman named Dahlia in the entire universe. This woman, uh, my mother, and this woman who was involved with my wife's father must be the same person. Therefore, I am my wife's half-brother. And not only does that shatter his world but he didn't but in order for the sequence of events to have taken place he would have had to have known that and then forgot now there is an explanation this game wants to offer you for that but that in the moment is stupid because bizarre. It, it's bizarre yeah. because the game wants you to take it at face value that this main character uh is his wife's brother and forgot that fact that's dumb but like but like not so at in in my playthrough at least my read on it at that moment where that information is revealed like yes it is a surprise and a shock to you but i don't think it's necessary necessarily being spelled out that 
he knew this before and then forgot. What is it that says he knew this before? He says it in words. I forget exactly when, but he's like, how how did I not remember? How did I not remember that? Like, he says it several times and i i don't know if maybe there's just different well like how events. would he uh, okay like i i'd have to i'd have to go back through this twist again because they, he figures like, out because he figures out that he's the because of this he immediately knows that he's the one that killed the father and he's like why did i not remember that i killed her father right right so that's the that I mean, that obviously is the where we start to get into this is why they're referencing memento in in there uh we we've talked about the references they we he literally walks over the sh- the carpet from the shining which is the visual reference that everyone loves from the shining um but but the the thing that's happening here to me is what it kind of starts to remind me of is the more insane a big trope in psychological horror is memory loss and insanity right because it's first off it's a great way to create you know psychological horror tends to kind of play in this uh, kind of space of detective thriller, right? It's it psychological horror is usually something that that um, writers and directors and uh, like to have as the kind of secondary plot line because it's the kind of thing that's great to have as a as a result of a reveal, right? And the, those reveals, the part that makes it psychological is that it is. Uh, you know, a revelation of, uh, you know, that increases kind of an, a building sense of paranoia uh, or, a, you know, creates a dissolving sense of reality, right? Where your world is falling apart around you, right? And that's where psychological horror kind of diverges as a subgenre from thrillers, right? So um, that is what it's doing here is it's, it's, it, but the the reason that maybe that doesn't work here is that we've already done some weird genre shit by having it be a time loop, right? So um, they're trying to do that. They, and they don't, for most players, I think here, stick that landing of the shift of genre from, um, you know, from adventure to time loop uh, to detective uh, to thriller. Yeah, I, I think that's the key thing here is that you, what you're what you're describing uh, here is like a, horror. a shift in frame of mind where you know that the shift from uh, a time loop is a is a um, is a possibility space where I'm trying to um, work out what it is that I have access to or can yeah. get access to that will that will give me advantages in the next loop. And that's an interesting space to play in. Yeah. But it's only interesting insofar as like you're willing to take everything fairly literally. Because as soon as you step into, oh, I'm in a brain palace, right? I'm in a I'm in I'm in my own dark twisted mind, which I kind of resisted that interpretation at first because First of all, I hate that kind of fiction. I didn't like Shutter Island or anything like that. Like I really dislike when games I like Shutter Island. Or, and oh yeah? Yeah, Shutter. I, Sutter, that whatever I, you know what I mean. I dislike when anything retreats into the it was all a dream or it was all the dark twisted fantasies of the main character or whatever that you know what pick your trope there. I always dislike when a game or or work of art of any kind, movie, whatever, tells you that it is in reality and then pulls that rug out from under you and tells you ah ah ah. You are actually in something far less interesting, the mind of one fucked up dude. Um, and like yeah. that, I, I hate that. So I, I hate that as a twist. Um, 
And yeah, Shutter it, Island had to be made by Martin Scorsese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even good. then, it didn't it didn't rise to the level of of anything else that of his that I've seen that I liked. Like it is not it is a bad film in my opinion, but I guess other people, you know, hey, he's Martin no, Scorsese, whatever. Um but like, okay, that that sucked realizing first off that this was going for uh incest horror or, you know, disgust trope, which I find uh like gross, gross right? And uh, then I mean I have I have movies that I like that 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 have that as a weird plot twist. There's uh one of my favorite movies of all time. Now I have spoiled a movie that I'd love to recommend. How for you. Please edit that dare out. you? Uh, Please edit that out. No, it's a, um, it's a good movie. Um, that is a good movie, and I'll have to bleep the title now because that is literally the the last moment of that film. Yeah, that's. The <laughs> but tw- you're right. That's literally the twist. Fair point. Um, uh, it's as a twist, it's not bad. Um, and and here it's what what it what I think it is 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 it is what the problem f- that I think I am diagnosing this game with is uh just too many twists um, and yeah. every twist wanting to change your perspective of the world and every twist wanting to like subtly shift the genre in a different direction. It's just like if they had the, the one that really worked was the one we've talked about where you realize you create, you, you know, you, you think you've solved the mystery, right? And in these time loop kind of things, the mystery of what is causing the time loop is intrinsically linked with like solving the problem. And, you know, from Groundhog Day and Palm Springs from the like more lighthearted versions with create with becoming a better person and doing things the right way and creating a better you through this process. And there's that moment where you feel like you've done that and no, fuck you. Uh, there's a there's something else is causing the time loop, you know, mm-hmm. um, or nothing that, is causing it, and you're staring into the void. Um, right, but uh, like, but yeah, the, the as we every successive twist after that one uh, is less satisfying, uh, but in general, more infuriating. The puzzles frankly. tended to the puzzles to if so if the puzzles aren't pulling you aren't carrying you through here, then maybe that's a good off ramp for you if you yeah. are enjoying the puzzle and i mostly was enjoying the puzzles actually I, I i did kind of pull the audience for 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 a hint at one point uh but i never fully got stuck and i mostly did like the puzzles i thought i thought the interaction with the all the cups and plates and you know doing all this dumb shit uh as long as i didn't have to repeat it too many times which i mostly you know when i got stuck i asked for help um that part worked for me so I so okay. I first of all, I think my issue there uh, is partly that I didn't ask for help or look anything up, and so if I was in the process of trying to iterate on a particular, you know, end of the loop function, right? There's a particular way I'm trying to figure out it, you know, try to explore all of the space of a particular, uh, you know, dangling edge of the possibility space. In order to get back to that spot, I might have to spend ten minutes many, many times setting up the right set of scenarios. Can't skip the dialogue effectively. Can't skip the animations effectively. Have to do every step one piece at a time. I found it pretty infuriating, especially by the end. Um, and then uh, there's there's another aspect that we haven't talked very much about, which is that I, as, this started out as something that I was like, I don't see much of an issue here. And then by the end, it did start to alienate and wear on me. And that's how, how alienating the 
the way this game approaches its violence is. Um, I think there's a, we had a whole talk very recently about like games offering content warnings. And that's, that's one aspect to this is that like, I think it's possible that some folks may have gone into this unprepared for it, but I went into it fully prepared. You know, I went into this knowing this was a thriller. I went into it knowing that it was a violent thriller with on-screen violence, some of it violence against women. Um, and knowing I was prepared for that. But I will tell you that by hour six, I was really tired of stabbing the cop to death and watching him bleed out and listening to Willem Dafoe's unskippable dialogue, uh, begging me not to kill him and telling me he he was on his side. I was tired of doing that. It started to bother me. I was really tired of watch sitting in the closet and watching the wife get her throat slit. I was just tired of it. And it's hard to say exactly what that is about. But like, I think it's just that like the kind of violence that this includes, it's not people when people talk about violent video games, they're generally talking about you as the player enacting a violent power fantasy. And that's never been something that bothers me, but witnessing or enacting cruelty on immobilized people on people who are helpless, yeah. which is the most of the violence that happens in this game. Or, or even even separate from the violence, the the sort of casual way that your character uses drugging his pregnant wife with a very likely lethal uh, dose of uh, of sleeping pills as a really key central mechanic that you have to do innumerable times throughout playing this game. All of that, the sort of casual nature of that, it started to wear on me in a way that made me uncomfortable. And I don't usually feel very uncomfortable at violence in games, but this made me feel uncomfortable in a way that. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe this game was wanting some you know wanting players to like sit with this violence and 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 feel it in a, in that way. But to me, it it only really made me feel that by the time I was already angry at the game for other things, yeah. and it it already felt useless. So I found that very alienating and um and uh, uncomfortable, and yeah. I did not like. Yeah, I think the only saving grace for me on that front, because I agree with everything you said there, is that I, in my playthrough, I don't think I had to repeat either of the two big moments of brutality, um, maybe more than once each. Um, And I think this game would be really well, the perfect Galerius for this game would be to have a way to jump to the moments just after these things happen uh, if you are really trying to explore the possibility space of what's on the other side of those moments of brutality. So mm-hmm. that's a, a thing that I think they could really improve on by having that one little thing. There is, I, I was thinking about it. Now we have, we keep talking about the Galerius of this game. Uh, I think the closest is when you are hiding in the closet, there are moments where like if you're hiding in the closet or just like sitting on the couch or on the uh, bed you can advance or on the bed, you can advance time a little bit. Uh, but really what you're jumping to in those moments is these things you have to interact with, which are these, you know, the cop busting down the door. Um, and the, you know, the, this is a game that it is almost entirely based on uh, the repetition of this one terribly violent attack by this cop, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing you're going to see over and over and over again. Now, the... It, there, to me, it was different while I was in that first couple of hours where I was repeating this over and over again and every time trying to find a way out of it, 
right? Trying to ex- trying to find my way out of it. But the fact that your way out of it really lies on the other side of being the worst chicken shit possible of like sneaking in and hiding and watching it all play out, um, you know, even more violently uh, while nobody knows you're hiding in the closet like a coward. Um, that I, I mean, that certainly does something in the story. Um, so it, you it, know, I think it is as a corollary to that, like it bothers me that the, uh, that there is no, now I've just said, I disliked that this game forced you to enact violence, but I'm also going to say that it, it, the game forces you to witness violence. And during those times, it locks you out from preventing it. So there's no way, for example, for the cop to tie up your wife and then for you to spring from the closet and stab him. That's impossible. Uh, once he's begun, uh, like putting your wife on the ground, that's it. There's no, there's no way to fight him, uh, at all. Even if you have a knife, uh, you know, even if you have the jump on him, uh, in fact, it's, it, it's to the point where it, it became like darkly comic to me because you're standing there in the apartment watching him, you know, kick your wife's knees out from under her and put her in, in, uh, in, you know, right. zip tie handcuffs. And if you click on him, all you do is stand there and say, sir, 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 <laughs> sir, sir. Yeah, I, I think what, what is very interesting here is, is like what they've chosen to like opt you out of because, um, the the main character husband um goes down with one punch right and i think maybe there's reasons for that they didn't want to animate a bunch of fighting or whatever but you're not being personally brutalized like by the time the violent turns to you violence turns to you you're you're you know the escape button is hit instantly mm-hmm. um and, i mean and if you don't get up you can absolutely have your throat slit like he will he will stand over you and th- slit your throat and you'll see the blood trickling out of James McAvoy's neck and uh like it's there if you if you want yeah, it yeah but even that is th- like it's a quick thing right it's mm-hmm. not the same as you hiding in the closet and watching him essentially torture your wife and it's not the same as the torture you enact on the cop um in vengeance and to progress the story so like those are two moments that are dwelled on Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that is there's a reason that lots of people bring this up as a negative in the story. Um, but here, here is here is where I will I'll give my kind of final take on on this is that I think that is the game playing into uh, the thriller elements. And that is what you kind of expect. We've talked a lot about like, do you know, this in, in our recent episode, we had this whole subject on Boyfriend Dungeon about, um, you know, the, the need to have uh, content warnings. Um, and I do support the idea of content warnings, uh, but there, it's hard to pick what kind of thick content to warn about in something that's really based on twists as a genre, like psychological thrillers are, uh, like if you were to take, a look I, I at think, the- I think, I don't think that this requires a content warning in that, like they've essentially given you a yeah. content warning in the description when they say that you take the role of a husband on what should be a romantic evening with your wife. The night turns into a nightmare when a police detective breaks into your home, a wife accuses your wife of murder and beats you to death for psychological thrillers. He, here are some of the key literary devices that you have in this kind of thing. Um, alienating violence is a part of that genre, right? Plot twists are a part of that genre. An unreliable narrator is part of that genre. A MacGuffin like the watch that we have, have not even, have not even mentioned at this point. 
part of that genre. And and finally, red herrings are a part of that genre. Like the freaking painting with the stupid message in uh, Morse code that I spent five minutes uh, trying to find a Morse code chart and translating only to find out it has just a kind of a meaningless message. So like, <laughs> sorry, that's the sidetrack, but th- like, this is a game that's leaning into that genre wise. If that is a genre space, you're really going to enjoy. I, I think you will enjoy this game. And I think this is still something I might recommend for you. Um, but like, it's not for everybody. And it's definitely not for the people that are like, you know, maybe, you know, going into an adventure game, expecting this to be like time loop monkey Island. I, yeah, I wouldn't say I was expecting Monkey Island, but I was no, not expecting. You know yes, I do, of course. The, the 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 thing though that like we we haven't talked all the way through the final um, moments of this game. Uh, Spoil the twist. Yeah, so there the you know you find out that you are the murderer, the one that uh, that killed the father, <gasps> and and then uh, y- then you can end the game by using the He's pocket just watch. Like uh to i forget even how you accomplish this but you sort of use the pocket watch to like flash yourself back into the moments before the murder of the father and you can play out you you it, the game takes you to a different scene it doesn't happen in the in the time loop or within the within the apartment um and you're you. you're confronting uh the father who is Nate who is uh who is also cast with Willem Dafoe. By the way, this is a weird, weird thing. I, you know, I looked up the cast list on the website, and Willem Dafoe is credited on the website as father, whereas he's not. Met, you know, he that's that's something that you learn deep Spoilers. into Twist territory, which I find a little weird. But anyway, Willem Dafoe uh, is Daisy Ridley's character's father, and uh, you have a moment with him where he is telling you to give up your relationship with uh, your sister um and you have a few different ways that you can choose to play that out um i i i think it depends on what you choose there's like multiple different endings um none of them really reveal anything important about the the story you know you can kill the father and go anyway uh which doesn't tell you anything new Um, what is what is kind of revealed here is that um this this character you know we've already learned that he is this you know child that was being called the monster by the, by the father that he was this, uh, child of an extramarital affair with a nanny who, um, met his half sister and started a relationship with her. And, um, they were going to have a child. And at that point he, that is when he learned about it because I believe he went to the father to try to get his blessing or something. I don't know. And that's when he realized, right? And that was when the father... Oh, you think that's how it played out? Because choice. I, my read on it was that he knew all along that this person was his sister. Um, well, no. No, I think he learned it from the father because I think it's We don't that see that point. moment, though. I don't think. No, we don't because the moment we do see is the father, like he's sitting in the father's office and the father is kind of asking him to make a choice and saying like, you, you could just leave, you know? Um, and then I guess you have three choices there. I think it's like one is you can just leave and not tell her where you went. And, uh, that's what the father tells you. He thinks you should do, I think. And then I forget what the other two are. Uh, one of them is you can kill the father. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you can right. you can tell him that you're going to stay with your sister, uh, and right, uh, and then he there's a struggle, and he uh, yeah, he but it's shot. implied that that's the like canon storyline because that's what makes sense given the other things we already know about like what has happened and the death. I of the father. think the canon storyline um, is the is the hypnotism ending, which is, makes it even yeah, stupider which, because hypnotism is is a is a very soap opera a trope like the 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 final ending that requires a little bit of of uh try it gives you the choice and if you basically choose nothing and instead pick a book up off of uh the shelf in a, a notable book because it's the book that your wife has been reading throughout the game um then you can quote a piece of that book back to your father and you have a brief conversation about uh the choice to forget uh, and uh, then he will offer to hypnotize you so that you don't remember anything about your sister. And I think that the implication there, because that sort of explains the like, why don't I remember killing this man uh, portion of the events of the time loop? I think it sort of explains the mind palaciness of it and the uh, and the the like I've forgotten these important details of my past element of it. And, um, you know, not remembering that this woman is his, is his sister, not remembering that he's a murderer, et cetera. Um, I'm not sure what's canon here, but it's one of those endings. that's like, I thought pretty unsatisfying because it's, it's a bunch, it's a bunch yeah. of endings, not one particular it canon is. ending. And none of them stick for me. None of them really make sense or reveal anything about the story that came before They're all, they all just sort of, feel like they're just you know hey you know that thing you learned about here it is happening what i what i really want to compare this to is uh what i think of as a pretty bad piece of psychological thriller you know mysteries right Th- there's a movie called identity right and oh yeah oh my spoilers God. for identity spoilers spoiler alert for identity skip ahead a minute i guess uh but this is a movie that has a terrific setup Kind of the 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 mystery is very compelling. A bunch of people have brought been brought together on a dark and stormy night at this motel, and they start to determine like weird things. Like they're all from, like they're I, I can't remember the details. They they all have the same birthday. Uh, they're being killed off one by one uh, in very you know, particular ways. Things. Like that, I, I forget all the details too. But like they 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 come from the same place. Like. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of weird coincidences alert. that connect them. This is a very, I mean, it's got a, it's, it's, you know, John Cusack is great in it. Uh, but this is a, this is a, it's a really compelling thing where when you have these psychological thrillers, they can be undone by the twist being too much of a metaphorical piece of bullshit, which this is. Um, I said this in game's identity, way too up it turns out butt. that everyone, everyone is multiple personalities of like the same guy. And who's being like, uh, who's being uh, killed by electrocution in, in the electric chair, if I remember correctly. Like, yeah, no, and they're, I, they're like dying because I don't remember his brain is shutting down as he's being killed or something like that. Yeah, so everyone weird. is like are like different aspects of this one fat guy. Uh, like, right. <laughs> it, it was it was a very frustrating ending. So and that was it. That's an example of an ending that didn't work for me because uh, the like psychological twist is something that doesn't feel like it's a payoff. It's it feels like it's makes things 
like less meaningful and less interesting. Like the, mm-hmm. the, because this re- you realize this isn't happening to real people. Like and so in this in uh, in twelve minutes we're also in the twist the final twist ending more and more realizing that none of this has been real that this is all in your head right and that is the kind of twist that i don't like the the twist that like hey all of these impossible things that are happening like we're already dealing with impossible stuff because it's a time loop but the more and more impossible shit that you layer on um having your final twist be that none of this was real is just a classic i think bad writing thing and so that is something i will definitely critique this for like i really don't like when it was all a dream or it was all a hallucination or it was all multiple personalities in the head of one dying fat guy or whatever it is like i just i think that is and and the problem here is that like that 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 problem didn't arise just at the very end when you realize that ultimate truth of the of the story. Um, the problem began uh, quite a bit earlier when you know it starts throwing the uh, the like uh, in. I forgot that I was an incestuous murderer uh, angle at you because then you're left at that point fairly early in the story at about the two hour mark I think or maybe three. Then you you have to choose between either none of this is real and I'm going to disengage from the story because it's no it's no longer uh, you know, it, it it's lost its weight, or this writing is really dumb and full of holes, or both. But like that was like I was left with that choice about halfway right. through this game, and I was kind of still propelled through it by the inertia of the initial couple of hours that were pretty decent. But like, oh man, it's bad. It's real bad. When you have this kind of twist, right, where some impossible element is revealed that shows, like, hey, this is in this character's head like you can't toe that line right you, it that is it's it's fun as a as a twist where it's a it's a reveal and then we can say okay for the rest of this story we're dealing with things that are metaphors right uh but this game doesn't do that it tries to toe that line and and uh partway reveal it and then save the full reveal as a final twist um, and that doesn't work because there's going to be half of your audience that sees it as a plot hole and gets pissed off. And then the other half of your audience doesn't notice it and then gets to the end and experiences the twist, the, the second twist as a fun twist. Right. But if it's, if you, if you show your ass, you know, you, it's, it's going to not, it's going to fall apart for half your audience and maybe more. And, and so like to some extent, you know, in movies, this kind of thing works because when you have like a, a two hour movie, um, the things that don't really hold together in your story only have to work until the audience walks out of the theater. But in a game like this, people are going to be playing it. In, it's six hours. People are going to play it in multiple sessions. When somebody gets that first big payoff and they walk away from your game and they come back to it, maybe maybe they're going to walk back and they're like, Hey, what was going on? Wait, now I've had time to think about it. And what was quote unquote going on doesn't make any sense. Right. So, um, part of, part of what actually worked for me is in this game is literally that I, uh, didn't totally put it together when, when I had the opportunity in the second, in the second act, right. I got all the way through to the end I got that second twist and I was like, oh, hey, now that's a twist. But then 
Then I'm looking back at the game. I'm like, man, I got to take some notes about this. What, what was it that actually happened? And that's when I was like, wait, this doesn't make any fucking sense. But that's fine. <laughs> Shutter Island doesn't make sense. Like there's shit tons of plot holes in, in this kind of thing. Because when you're telling a story that isn't quote unquote really happening, like there's going to be plot holes because it's not really happening. And, and you want to you kind of tease your twist out and let your audience have the opportunity to feel clever when it comes around. So um, anyway, uh, any any final thoughts you want to share on like what this game did well in its story and its writing, what it didn't do well? I, I think Shane, you've done a you've done a wonderful job of laying out what this game was trying to do, and in some ways, you've convinced me that it has done some of it slightly better than I would have have thought the minute I set my my mouse and keyboard down on this. But oh, I just can't love this game. I can't even like it. It made me angry. the 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 writing on this is exactly like the kind of thing that I just cannot stand. I it and and it made so much worse by the fact that like I didn't find out that I thought this game was like this shitty until i was fairly deep into it like it, it's also partly that like i was really i really had high hopes for this first of all 12 minutes you want to attract the short game to play your game name it after a short duration of time i was excited i also realized annapurna is, is publishing this wow that's great oh this has been a long time in development sometimes those sort of like long in development art tour pieces that get a nice kickstart of of money from a big publisher turn out great that's a good sign uh time loops so exciting. Dude puts his name on the game. Put your if you're a developer out there, put your name on your game. Love like it. It, it, most developers only get a chance to make a big to make a game once, right? I certainly understand why folks go the the studio name route and that is of course that like you know it's a, a person doesn't make a game teams of dozens or hundreds do like you look at something like chicory that's made by an incredibly tiny team and they did list everybody's name rather than listing a uh, a studio name or coming up with a you know a cute moniker um and that's a pretty long list of people to fit into the who made this game box on steam or the you know uh, itch.io page or what have you. Um, and so I certainly understand why that is the convention uh, in game development. Uh, on the on the sort of micro indie side, people do use just their name or nom de plume. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's also a sort of fake it till you make it. I'm a solo dev, but I have a studio, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, so like that doesn't bother me, although I do like to see it done this way, even in situations like this where there's a big team yeah, and you have to scroll that's down. What, that's what we want. Know? Like we want these games that are our tour pieces and that's exactly what something like on a you know why we mm. like on a but like all that is to say like that i was setting all that up to say that like i was very disappointed by this game ultimately because it had it had a lot of it checked so many boxes for me in terms of like things i get hype about um i'm not somebody who invests tons of you know i don't i don't get hype i try not to pre-order games we play a game a week on this show. There's no time for me to be like looking uh, 10 months ahead and getting hype about something. But like this was a game that I really thought was going to be for me and really thought was going to be for the show. And coming away from it, all I can say is that this had good ideas. It had some good execution, but it had a lot more bad execution and it had a lot, lot, lot more bad writing. This is a this needed a different writer. You know, if this was going to be a good game, and I think it 
I think there are bones here that could have made a very good game. I think it would have needed to eject the back half of the game or more. And I think it would have needed a complete rethinking. I think you could make a wonderful game in this mode that took the more Groundhog Day comedic style approach. Like if this game had a sense of humor about itself uh, and maybe was like 50% less violent and, you know, uh, just a different vibe, I think that I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. Um, I think if it was trying to be this serious, I think it just needed better subject matter. Like it just needed better I, subject matter. I think matter. this is, yeah, I, I, I don't really think that the subject matter is necessarily the problem. I think this is, this is a lot closer to the ideal version than um, that. Then it doesn't need to be completely rethought. I think it's there's a lot of good here, and I think if the back half were a more satisfying experience, if I and I'm this is this is just me being a, a backseat developer. That's uh, what we do, writer. But when we have that twist. If we had really in, if we had had more of a fundamental change in the game and leaned more inter, into interacting with things as the metaphors that they've now been revealed to be, than uh, than as just like moving the same three cups around, um, like meanwhile like reenacting and playing out the same exact things and and finding out a little bit more, but mainly stuff we already knew. Uh, that really would have changed. I would really love the version of this game that spends two or maybe even three hours trapped in this room, and then uh, you know, at the in the last third, like explodes out into like metaphorical psychonauts territory, you know, and and uses that as a as a payoff for that. But instead, this isn't a game that really has that payoff. It is a game that I think has lots to recommend it, and if you can get this um, on Game Pass and if you can get this on sale I think it's worth playing and I especially think so if you liked the um, execrable movie Identity from 2000 which (laughs) unaccountably has over 70% on Rotten Tomatoes oh man that's a weird one alright I think that's I think that's all we have for tonight I think I've said everything I have to say about 12 minutes and I never want to think about it again. You, how about you, Shane? Uh, welcome back to the short game, a show about short video no! games, games that respect your time. I am your host, Shane.